Today, I'm going to start off today's podcast with a scripture from the Bible. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Psalm 146a. Welcome to today's episode of The Pursuit to Healing. And today's episode, we're talking about our healing journeys. And first up is Layla. I'm just laughing because you got so excited. Shut up. Like, alone. So before we started recording, <laughs> Belle had a couple of conniptions and the way she just came out with all that energy was kind of funny. Like, I, really, I enjoyed it so much. My dinner kicked in, you know, all the carbs. Leave me alone. <laughs> it kicked in. Yeah, it kicked in. It kicked in though. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so today we're going to talk about our healing journeys and how that looks different for everybody because it is different for everybody. Um, I know we're kind of like skipping to to the good parts rather than, you know, the in-between and the intricate details of our lives. But I thought it would be good to talk about something that's not really evidence-based but more, I guess, Val and I were just wanting to talk a little bit about our own journeys and how that's looked for us. Um, so I'll start today. So I guess a healing journey starts for anybody, I guess, acknowledging that you've gone through some level of trauma and acknowledging that you, um, I guess, understanding that there's something that you may need to work on. Because I guess some people walk through life really unconsciously and may not even realize that they've experienced trauma. They might act out of trauma and not realize, oh, wait, that behavior isn't just a normal human behavior. It's a trauma response. So I reckon I spent a lot of my life being I'm turning 30 in two months. Here we go. <laughs> We're turning 30 in two months. I'm next week, okay? Calm down. I'm having a fucking conniption. Oh, it's not it. Let me just say it's not it. Anyways, um, so, yes, yeah, so I spent a lot of my childhood and, and young adulthood, I would say, um, being a little bit different. I don't know if you experienced that, Belle, but being a little bit different. Yeah. Never really. I, I've really struggled as a young adult, actually. Come to think about it, I really struggled making friends. I seeked a lot of validation from people. Um, I was a huge pe- chronic people pleaser. I still do some of that stuff, like the, the people pleasing especially. I still do, um, but not to the extent that I was, but to the point where I would actually let friends walk all over me. Because, and I'm guessing you're probably the same, Belle. You've probably done the same because you and I are very similar like this. But I used to let friends just walk all over me all the time. And looking back and I'm like, I just thought it was normal, but I was always upset and I was always hurt. And I thought this is just what people experience. Like this is what it's like to be young. But not realising that I was attracting all these like really, really bad friends and not saying all my friends are bad because I did have some amazing childhood friends that I'm still friends with to today. Um, But a lot of them that, you know, were the ones that come in and out of my life really weren't good for me. I remember growing up and um, I used to always be anxious. I recognize my anxiety started in probably like grade six. And I feel like the, like the main event was when my grandfather died and that's when it was really, my trauma responses were really present. Um, I would say that I experienced trauma before that, but my actual anxiety was like next level. I reckon between like grade six and year 10, or sorry, year nine, because I actually didn't even finish high school. Um, 
but then I went on to get a master's degree, funny enough. Um, but anyway, so between, you know, the age of six to the age of, I would say, probably 15, 16, I probably went to school. I reckon like I could count on one hand how many times I went to school. That's how bad. But I was so anxious. I don't know if you ever experienced that, Bob, but I was so anxious to go to school mm-hmm. all the time. It was like an ordeal to the point where the teachers were like, we will do anything to get you at school. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. And I guess like, we, you know, a lot of people don't even talk about like when kids are struggling in school, then you, you usually see them not really sustaining that and not being able to learn, learn or even stay focused in school. Um, and that was me. I really struggled with school. Then I became a young adult and I did a lot of things. I did a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. I... But I don't regret them because I think it's all part of who I am. And I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through what I went through. Um, I guess the adversity kind of shapes who you are. Um, So, yeah, I think when I turned about 17, I used to go out heaps, like a lot. Like to the point, I remember when I was 18 years old, I went out one night. It's a pretty bad story. But I'm going to to tell people anyway because I feel like it's super (laughs) important. Yeah, what I do. <laughs> and then when I was eighteen, um, I remember like going, going to a club one night, and I had no comprehension of what was dangerous and what was safe. To the point that I drank a drink. I don't even remember where I got it, and I just remember coming home, and I don't even remember like actually walking in the door. Mm-hmm. Someone had spiked my drink, and I remember at the time I had a really good friend living with us at my house with my family. And he literally just threw me in the shower and he's like, put cold water on her, that bad. And then, um, yeah, so I pretty much had my drink spiked um, because there was no comprehension of what was dangerous and what was safe. I really just didn't care. So really reckless behaviour. Then I used to party every weekend. I used to go out, used to take drugs, used to do a lot of stupid things, Um and I'm not saying people are stupid if they're doing them. I understand that, you know, everyone's reasoning for doing things is different. Um, but I would say mine was a big coping thing, like taking drugs and going out and partying um, was a really big coping part of my life. And then I went through this whole phase of, you know, having a pretty stable, normal life. I had a boyfriend at the time and I had stopped I guess all that life and then like still anxiety and all of this going on. So, you know, chronic people pleaser, really anxious, like panic attacks all the time, feeling really depressed, experiencing suicidal ideation, um, but not actually wanting to, you know, complete suicide. Mm -hmm. It was more just around having ideation. Um, I would also say like to the point where, Um, feeling validated by others was like super important for me. Um, If people, you know, didn't like me, I would have a panic attack. I would be something that I really wasn't. Like I was quiet. I was so quiet growing up. And Belle, you probably were too, but. It sounds like you're telling my story, to be honest. Like this is crazy. (laughs) Minus the drugs. Minus the drugs. Minus the drugs. But everything else, like even the the spike story, exact same, but my brother cleaning out my vomit and pulling my hair back. Yeah, oh, the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I think it's really common, but um yeah, I was always like 
nice to people and always being something that I'm not like trying to be like kind and sweet and and not really acting how I wanted to act because I wanted people to like me mm-hmm. and then I reckon I hit about maybe 24 I would say so this was like a lifelong thing up until I was maybe 24 25 mm-hmm. and even just like certain things like I'm sorry I'm going back and forth because they're just mm-hmm. coming to me um but even like being young, I used to always hang out with adults, like always older people. And to this day, I've even got friends who were like my mum's age and it's probably my mummy, my mummy issues. I shouldn't say that, but you know, um, and I would hang out with always people older than me. And I just couldn't relate to people my age. I always felt so unsafe with people my age, mm-hmm. but then I also loved chaos and chaos was normal for me. Like I needed, you know, crazy happening all the time. I couldn't sit at home on my own. I couldn't do nothing on my own. I had to go somewhere always, like had to be out of the house, had to be adventurous. And then when I turned 24, I was talking to a really good friend of mine and she said to me, you need to read this book. So I read this book and um, I mentioned the book in another podcast that we did. Um, But if anyone wants me to mention it again, it was called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog by Dr. Bruce Perry. One of the most amazing life-changing books for me but don't read it if you get easily triggered by anything um, that is like in detail traumatic events. Um, I read that book and I remember reading this book and going, wow, this is my life. Like this is a huge part of my life. How did I not know that I had trauma? I just thought anxiety was normal because I remember my mum having panic attacks. I'm like, anxiety is just normal. And look, anxiety is normal and lots of people get anxiety. Um, But to the level that I was getting it, I didn't realise that, you know, my system was so, like my body was so dysregulated. My nervous system was all over the place. Um, And then I thought, like, I used to get anxious with work. And I remember, like, I would literally, like, create this whole narrative in my head that, oh, my God, this is going to happen at work and that's going to happen at work. And it would just be these really far-fetched stories that I would spend the whole weekend checking my emails and going, oh, my gosh, something's going to happen. I need to really check these emails. Mm-hmm. Are you laughing because you've I'm done this before? It's me. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then I said to myself one day, it was during the whole lockdown period, and it was getting significantly worse. And I said, nah, I've got to do something about this. I can't keep doing this because it's actually driving me mental. But I remember when I was little, this is another traumatic experience for me. I remember going to a psychologist and this is after my grandfather passed. It kind of makes sense when I tell you the story. So I know I'm jumping back. I went to a psychologist when I was really young. I was probably in grade six and it was after my grandfather died because I was very angry. I was so angry that I used to just lash out of it at everyone in my family. I still have angry qualities, but I don't think it's because of that. Um, but I used to be so angry and my mum took me to a psychologist and I remember like because of the shame and stigma around seeing a psychologist at that time, I was actually embarrassed and I remember not telling the psychologist anything. I actually remember like full minimising my story because I didn't want the psychologist to think that I lost my mind. I was in grade six. Like, you know, how can you even think to do that in grade six? Kids in grade six are ready to just tell you everything. Um, And I remember getting in the car. No, the psychologist actually took my mum into the room and said, I can't really pick on, like pick anything that, you know, we need to really work on. And I remember getting in the car and my mum actually looked at me and she's like, you made it out as if we were the crazy ones. 
and I was like grade six little kid and I'm like what do you mean like you made us look all crazy like you made it look like there's nothing wrong with you so then you know it creates this whole stigma of you don't want to go get therapy because something's wrong with me and especially for young children that is a really confronting thing you don't want their to be something wrong with you. You don't want people to go, that person's got a mental illness because you're a kid. You don't know any better. And that's why I just want to throw a little nugget in here. It's so important for parents to normalize this stuff for their children because the more you normalize it, the easier it is for children to reach out and get the help that they need um, and talk to you if they're really suffering. Anyways, I'll go back to my story now. Um, And then, yeah, so anyways, I went to a psychologist later on in life at 24 years old and I started to realise like, hey, there's, you know, a lot going on. It's not just in my head. Like I've experienced some things in life that are traumatic and now I can work on them. So I did a lot of work. I saw a psychologist for probably a year and a half and then she went on that leave. So I stopped seeing her and then... I actually felt pretty good because then I studied. So I went and got a master's in human services, um, got also a graduate certificate in human services and a diploma in community services case management. Um, All I saw was, you know what, I'm going to use my traumatic experiences to help other people. And I did. And I guess the self-awareness, like everything, like just fell into place because I did um, subjects on counselling and all of this as well. So a lot of things fell into place and I could understand myself more and the things that I did more and then starting to work in that that field, understanding trauma in such detail. Um, Then I would say probably in the last maybe six months, I saw another psychologist because I was getting a bit dysregulated, getting a bit anxious. So I saw another psychologist and as a person who works with people in a trauma-informed way and works with people, um, you know, in family violence, it's really hard to find a psychologist that you're not going to pick apart, right? (laughs) I'm picking apart everything, you know. My first session, I didn't even get to share anything about myself. It was just like, here's some tactics how to deal with your anxiety. And here, just explain to me how you would explain to your clients what anxiety is. I'm thinking, I'm literally teaching this woman what I do for work. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so along the way, this whole... And this is going to go into my journey and walk with God because I think that's really important to put into this. Um, I would say in between the time that I was feeling extremely anxious and dysregulated to now, and I was seeing a psychologist and and a lot of things happened in between then and now. So I started to get, you know, I don't know if I should go into all the signs that I got, but I started, what What was that? No, say some. They're amazing. It makes me happy. All right, I'll share, I'll share them. So I started getting all these signs, like I was feeling really out of place, like just feeling like I just don't feel like I'm in my own body. Like I just feel really dysregulated and everything's all over the place for me again. How? Like I'm feeling, like I feel like I've healed from my trauma and I do still feel like I've healed from a lot of my trauma. Um, and I remember like one night, and this is after hanging out with Belle for ages, so you know, it's probably had some sort of, influence as well but <laughs> I um, planted the seeds for a year you know yeah definitely <laughs> Bal and Carmine planting those seeds um I remember one night I had a dream and in my dream 
I still like remember it in such vivid detail because it was just so like, and I don't remember dreams. I never remember dreams. And this night I had a dream. I had a dream that I was reading the Bible and someone in my dream said to me, stop reading. And then someone else in my dream came up to me and said, you need to keep reading. I was like, curious. Okay. Mind you, we grew up in a full atheist household. Like my grandmother, you know, is a Catholic and she prays every day and everything. But my mum, tarot cards, crystals, all of it, all of it, right? So we didn't grow up in a household where, you know, faith was promoted, you know, to the point where I remember when I was 13 years old, I picked up a Bible and my mum looked at me and said, why are you reading that? Um, And, you know, I sit there and I think if you let that child read that Bible, maybe my life would have been different. But I was meant to take this path. Anyways, so woke up from that dream. I went to the gym the next morning, saw Balan Carmine, who's one of our other friends, and told them about my dream. And our friend Carmine said to me, Layla, just come to church one Sunday. I'll buy you a coffee. You know, he plants his little seeds in a nice little way. He's very good at that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I've never been to a church in my life willingly. I've never wanted to go to a church in my life willingly. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go. I know I'm going to panic. I know I'm going to be anxious, but I'm just going to go. Like I've got people I know there, people that like me, people that I like, and I feel safe. Bell and Carmine are there. It's a totally safe environment. If I feel uncomfortable, I just don't have to go back. I reckon it was probably one day. No, sorry. When, when I came to church that day, everything that we were talking about at the gym that week literally came up. Mm-hmm. that day at church and the message yeah pastor that, rob preached yes the message was like yeah it was pastor rob mm-hmm. and i remember sitting there and i actually felt so overwhelmed that i felt like crying and i remember bells coming over with a little hand around my waist and hugging me even though she's not a hugger now she hugs me at church you know we're, i'm we're, excited we're You're growing like my baby you're growing and i get I'm so happy. <laughs> we're growing um and i remember just sitting there and they played a clip from the chosen and I remember going like I I don't know I knew nothing about Jesus nothing like I mean nothing you could ask me and I wouldn't be able to tell you and I remember watching this video and it was just so nice to watch and I felt so overwhelmed by emotion because I'm like people only talk about sin they don't talk about the good things that come out of the Bible. They don't talk about the beautiful things that come out of the Bible. Everyone just tells you about sin and you think, oh, this is scary. Like, why would I want to immerse myself in something that's, you know, for everything I do, I'm going to be punished. But no one talks about the good. No one talks about that. So I remember sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. I really loved this feeling. Then maybe three days later, an old friend of mine that I've been friends with for I reckon since I was 14 and I hadn't spoken to her in a long, long time. And I remember when we were young, we used to go to church with her and her mum sometimes and we used to complain the whole time because we just wanted to go home and eat because we were little fatties. Anyways, and then she messaged me and sent me a random video and this video was like telling me how God is real. And I'm sitting there thinking, is this a coincidence? I know we don't believe in coincidences, but I'm going, what is this? Anyways, I'm like telling this girl about my experience and that she randomly sent me this video and it just all happened at the perfect time. 
then she came to church the following week and all was great. Mm -hmm. Then along the way, I get all these amazing signs, but I would say that like that has been a massive part of my healing journey now. I think that like there were times where I felt like super anxious and times where I felt like I just couldn't cope. And I remember one day I literally got up in the morning and I couldn't go to church because I felt just so overwhelmed. And my friend messaged me and she said to me, just pray, just pray, you'll feel better. And then I messaged my friend Carmine and he said, Layla, you need to pray. You just need to pray for whatever is happening to you right now. Um, you know, it could be spiritual warfare. It could be many different things, but you just need to pray. Went home and I prayed. That next day I woke up and I just felt like a million dollars. I felt like nothing could stop me. And honestly, I think that this whole journey has helped me more than therapy has. It's actually helped me way more than therapy has because therapy can only help you to a certain point. And there's always going to be this sense of emptiness because you can't just forget the trauma. It's always there. It's always going to be there. Yes, you can heal and yes, you can move on, but there's always that missing piece. There's always that missing piece. And when you actually can see that there is more to life, there's more to life than just existing. We have a journey that we all have a purpose on this earth and to know uh, look, I'm probably not being correct in the terms that I'm using, yes. but, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about what I heard on Sunday and it's never going to be, you know, perfect mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, but, you know, I think having that missing piece of the puzzle and that's the missing piece of the puzzle because the love that we have between friends and family and everything, I remember reading somewhere and I was like, they're little bits of God's love for us. The friends that we have in our life are sent to us for a reason, for a purpose, and we're given little bits of God's love in all the friends and family and people that love us. Mm -hmm. So it's just an amazing thing. Like I can't even describe that the feeling of that fulfilling feeling and that fullness of being able to have this relationship with God. It's just an amazing journey that I can't explain how I just feel aligned. Yes, I still have anxiety. Yes, I still sometimes have a panic attack here and there. Yes, my sleep is all over the shop. But being able to pray and seeing your prayers being answered and whether, you know, people just expect this miracle, this conditional miracle of, you know, you say a prayer and it's going to just pop up at your front door. It's not how it works. But the peaceful feeling of knowing that God is listening to you and that you can literally lay it all out. You can lay it all out and God wants to hear it all. God wants to hear everything. If someone else doesn't want to hear you, that doesn't matter because God wants to hear it all. And it's just a very peaceful, happy feeling. I can't even explain to you that I wish that I had gone on this journey earlier, but it was my purpose is meant to be now. This is where it's meant to happen. Um, But to see other people and, you know, Belle gets all excited when I come to church or gets all excited, I'm on this journey. And I never understood it. I used to actually sit there and when people would tell me, oh, you know, I pray every day, I this, I that, I would sit there and go, oh, that's weird. 
that's weird. And now I'm that person that's literally praying the moment I get up, the moment I go to bed, the moment I've got a spare minute. I'm like praying every second of this day because it's so important. It's so fulfilling to know that you can literally let go of all your anxiety and all of your stress and everything and give it to God. And there is someone listening to you, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Some people might think, you know, they, they might not understand it and that's okay. Some people may not understand it. And I'm completely open to people asking us questions because mm-hmm, if you're not on the same path, you may not get it. And that's okay. And it's okay to question. It's okay to wonder. And I think that's a really important thing, like to have questions. And I guess other people, like you you walk into a church and you see how many people who have gone through so much adversity and so much hardship and they walk into a church and they feel saved. They, they're saved. Like their lives completely transform. And I've heard so many stories of people's lives transforming just through the work of God with literally some people have been you know hooked hooked on drugs and just kick drugs without going to rehab not saying that's for everybody but that's part of their journey Mm -hmm. just an amazing thing you know I get really excited and passionate talking about this because I feel that people would love to know how it feels if they knew if they walked into a church or if they experienced that love like the church is like I'm a socially anxious person I panic anytime I have to go into anywhere I used to panic going to church. Now I'm like, oh, cool. Everyone's hugging and kissing me. Hello. I don't know them, but hello. I'll give you a hug back. I'm not a hugger and I'm hugging strangers. (laughs) And I feel at peace hugging strangers because you actually feel the genuine, they want to genuinely hug you and give you a kiss hello and say good morning from the bottom of their heart. It's not because that they have to because you're standing there. They come out of your their way to come and kiss and hug you hello. It's a peaceful, happy environment. It's just a really good community. And I think it's really important for people to have that sense of community because doing this life alone is impossible. You can't do it alone. And having that support from you know a support network people around you family friends and also having that relationship with God you know it may not be like some people may not align with that I align with that Bella aligns with that but some people may not be there yet and I I pray that they get there because I think it's a really important step of people's lives we all have a part of us that has a spiritual side of us and it's I believe it's us longing for for God not for crystals and tarot, don't want to discount anyone's beliefs, but our hearts are yearning for God. Anyways, that's me. That's all I've got for you guys. That's all, you know. I'm trying, like, I'm really holding back, like, my tears. Oh, it's okay. Let them out if you must. No, I don't want to cry on the podcast. Give it a few more episodes before I have, like, an ugly ugly Kim Kardashian cry, you know. Oh, I love that. Because that's me, you know. Especially Love my lashes that. are fresh, so it's, it's all going to be everywhere. You know, dripping from the lashes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so you much mean. for sharing, Layla. That was amazing. And even though we've been, like, we're good friends and you're my bestie. Sorry. I was like, Gretchen. how dare you call me a good how friend? How dare you, good friend? I was actually about to lose it, but anyway. I yes. had a feeling you would, you know. Um, it's so refreshing hearing your story over and over again and getting like new pe- parts that we maybe like, brushed over or haven't discussed and like we have such similar stories mm. I was like oh, what am I going to talk about because it's very similar to Layla's um I think it's important to share still because oh, it's still yeah. your own walk yeah so 
she, I'm going to start kind of from the very early years that I can remember that you've kind of, you've my light bulb over my head going ding, 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 ding. We could talk about this today <laughs> when you were talking. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this. Are we um, living in the same life? <laughs> yeah, the same life. Um, very similar, to be honest. It's crazy. Um, but I think I'll probably start around kindergarten age. So uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember with you, you Leila, but I know I, w- I started kindergarten and, and primary school and school a year before everybody else. And like my birthday is in February. So I started kindergarten at three and I was turning four. Like they don't do that now, like extremely young. Um, and I was the tallest kid for a Maltese. That's rare, but you know, it lasted kindergarten and prep and that was the tallest. Um, I started getting bullied from kindergarten um, for how I looked, like what I wore, the color of my skin, my hair, absolutely everything. And that kind of started me not like being mute and almost like a sense of wanting to overachieve and connection to my teachers, like kind of like you, like connecting more to adults because they understood you. Um, like in kindergarten and prep, I'd ask for extra books to read and more homework. There was no prep, like homework in prep in like 1998, but there was for me because I wanted to read and keep excelling because I wasn't connecting to anybody in my class. And that was like pretty much most of my school kindergarten up until you 12 experience because I just didn't find that connection. I would always get bullied. Like primary school was pretty horrific. Um, and I kept it quite close to my chest. My parents didn't really know. Um, I get bullied for being athletic. So I was like a state swimmer. Um, some of the girls I competed against now are in the Olympics. Like it's insane. I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning in primary school and train before school, be half asleep at my desk. Um, and then the next day train after school. And it was just weekends were competing. And it was very like a lot for a young kid. Um, I, yeah, so like from that, from being extra muscly um, to my big fluffy hair, getting bullied for, I've got, it's nice and curly now because I know how to take care of it. But um, in primary school, I had a big afro and I used to get bullied to the point that, you know, you do head down, thumbs up, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like on your desk. And my yeah, head was yeah. to the side and this one girl was starting to punch my hair and was just like, your oh. hair's too big um and crack the shits at me and I remember going home and telling my mom being like so and so said this like that's not very nice and my mom's like oh she's such a nice girl when we do um excursions she's so nice to me and I'm like but she's so mean like and from there it started stemming me hating what my hair looked like or my skin color or like how I physically looked because I was quite muscly and only like some boys were that muscly at that point we were like you know, in yeah. primary school. And then as we go into high school, I transitioned from swimming to running and I became quite petite because it was long distance and you had to be quite petite. Um, so I lost a lot of weight and muscle and I got severely bullied, but even my closest friend group, looking back, they weren't my close friends, but I didn't, I was too scared to make new friends. Like mm. it was constantly trying to people please and like just make the ones that I connected to like me, even though they'd bully the shit out of me for being so skinny. Um, so I resulted into like kind of hiding in my shell and finding like music to listen to. So I was very much the scene girl from MySpace. 
um, like they'll trademark was my little MySpace name, little influencer from back in the day. Um, with my like short, I used to cut my hair and dye it pack it black. If cooler or anybody hairdressers listening, please don't kill me. Um, and lots of eyeliner and trying to make myself more white to be more aesthetic into the emo category. Um, around that time was probably the lowest my depression and my anxiety uh, ever got. So around that time is when I found out my dad was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Um, I think I touched back a little bit briefly on that last episode. Um, ALS, if you're in America, but motor neuron disease in Australia, um, which is a debilitating disease that kind of, I would say it starts from like the feet up and you, you can't walk and then it gradually affects all your nerves. You can't use your hands until it gets to like your chest. For my dad, it, it hit his chest and he had a heart attack. Sometimes it skips it. And that's why um, you lose ability to talk and things like that. So I, like, I think I was year seven, year eight. It was very hard to comprehend my best friend, my dad. I literally look like a spitting image with long hair of him um, is passing away. And then my mom having to try to cope with working full time, taking care of two young kids. My dad, who was a man of the house, who did absolutely everything. He loved to cook, garden, everything not be able to do anything um, and then go to school and get severely bullied by my friends group to the point they would, um, I remember one instance, I got physically, um, physically bashed by one of them and the rest of the class was cheering on um, as she hit me because they thought it was hilarious. Um, so like no place I went was safe. Um, so I was, I felt so alone. And I remember like kind of at the time I'd, I had some good friends from running like that were kind of like protecting me I got a lot of just like kind of the same sort of time that like MySpace and MSN started so like the start of the social media era where I was getting actually like what people are facing now online bullying and I got a lot of online hate um so even like the things I mentioned before the color of my skin my hair my how my body looks so these things up from like kindergarten on even like up until recently make me very self-conscious on how I look. And so it kind of all stems, every little bit like makes, um, I guess, an impact on who I am and why I might be, I've got a lot of people pleasing tendencies that like Leila and I joke about, but I am working really hard lately and being aware now that I know what they are. Um, because a lot of things like that, I feel like I thought I was a weird one. Um, so I always would do things to fit in. After I, I lost my dad, I was very similar to Layla. The next year, um, I had one more year left at my high school until I was allowed to go to the co-ed school with my brother before he started year seven. So I really didn't want to be at the all-girls school. They were bitches. They bullied me. Even my best friends, they weren't really friends. And nobody understood what losing a parent was because I was 14. So I kind of replaced all that grief because I didn't know what to do. All the girls at the time were dating boys so I went straight into seeing boys and going out and my mum was too busy trying to grieve so I'd make friends from my space and go to random parties in Geelong um that was super unsafe for a 14 15 year old to go through but here we are um that, that experiences that I will look back on and be like oh my goodness I I would like I wouldn't want my kids to go through that sort of thing um, I remember an instance where we had knives in our boots in case somebody jumped us because the area we were walking through um, had a high rape 
and murder culture for women. Um, it was, sorry, for have a trigger warning, I'm sorry. It was not a t- something, like, I just couldn't comprehend how actual scary that was. I was too young yeah. to understand and staying at people's house that I met on MySpace, I didn't even know them. But mum was too busy because she was grieving and I understand, but like it's absolutely insane. Um, from there, I moved schools and like similar to you, everything's very similar. Um, I got forced to do counselling from the new high school. They wouldn't accept me until I did, I think, six months of counselling. But I pretty much went just to please them and just to, so I can stay at that school because it was easier for my mum, for my brother and I to go to the same school. So I'll do whatever I can just to make it easier, you know. So it was embarrassing, though, because it was during class time and I have to, like, be like, oh, I have to be excused from this class. Why? Why are you going? Like, and like trying to like hide that I'm getting counseling because like something has to be wrong with me. I'm getting counseling, you know? So I like half asked that whole counseling. It was just so I could stay at school. Um, but that whole ex- school experience was exactly the same as the girl school, but add boys. So I got kicked out of friendship groups for not having sex. I was like 14 or 15. It's ridiculous the pressure back then, let alone what it is now for young girls or boys to have sex so young. It's insane. And like the consequences for having sex and they're not aware of it. Um, And so I just jumped kind of group to group for anybody that will kind of just want to hang out with me. Um, But I didn't really hang out with them much out of school, apart from we would go like city trips, me taking photos, I'd hide behind my camera and that's where me hiding behind my camera kind of started um and I still do that to this day which I am slowly working on sometimes I find it easier to hide behind my camera instead of having a conversation because I have no energy and all the mental capacity but yeah now I know every that. time you come near me with your camera that you just don't have the energy for me <laughs> no I have the energy I see for how you, it is. because I feel safe with you but sometimes I just don't feel safe with people and it's just I easier that. and that's kind of how like I started yeah, shooting events it's your and protection. Stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it's your safety net. I started taking photos just before my dad passed, and it was a, a like a form for me to kind of get out of the house and go into the garden and get some fresh air, chuck on my punk rock music, and just let go. I couldn't even get the photos in focus. The framing was horrible, but it was something. And then from there, that's kind of how I started becoming a photographer. Um, I'd go for walks and it it helped me regulate my emotions and breathing. I remember Googling back then how to cure depression and I'd be like, exercise, healthy food. And I'm like, I'm already training five times a day. I'm eating like super clean. Why do I, why am I depressed? So I'd start taking photos and go like on walks and listen to music. And yeah, but all this I've previously mentioned kind of stems to, to who I am now how I'm slowly working on things of like my body image, me having no makeup on this podcast and having my hair natural. Me two years ago would never have like imagined like what the hell, like I wish I had the confidence to enjoy my natural hair because it it's beautiful. I'll, like my curls are a bit fluffy today, but I'm so like glad that, you know, I've kind of grown through that, but it didn't happen overnight and it took a lot of, healing, finding friendships like ours, Layla, um, making that I feel safe, that I can be my complete self. Cling. Like, 
cling, my little cling, like things, you know. Um, I can't live without you now. You're stuck with me for life. So we're a little branded. We got matching tattoos <laughs> last week. Branded. Um, you're stuck with me. Like, unless this fades <laughs> off, we're going to have to get a new one. Um, like, touch ups, babes. Okay, I'll just touch ups, you know. <laughs> um, it's just, the, I, I'll get back, get into the God point a little bit later, but the importance of having people around you that you feel safe. Yeah. I found that helped me so much in my growth and my journey. Um, fast forward because of the bullying, not feeling accepted, I always kind of clung to people that would kind of give me attention straight away, which is why I kind of jumped from relationship to relationship. And I got into a marriage that I probably shouldn't have because I wasn't feeling loved or appreciated or cared for. Can I just uh, add something in there? Because yeah. you just mentioned something. You know, there's actually research, and I was reading about this the other day, and it makes a lot of sense, people that, you know, enter our lives. And, you know, just not just you and I, but everybody. Mm-hmm. But they say that there was some research that was done, and I don't have the article, so I, I know I should have the article to provide mm-hmm. to people. But there was some research that said that people tend to look for in relationships, so whether that's with a partner, whether that's with friends, look for what they missed out on from their parents and that could have been validation that could have been um that could have been you know love that could have been um so many different things but then we we don't actually get that from the friends that we seek we end up getting exactly what we got from our parents so whether that was emotional unavailability or whether that was um you know being dismissed or not validated we end up with friends or relationships where we experience a lot of that if if it's not worked on, of course. Um, yeah. I'll try and find the research at some Thanks. point and, and yeah. we can add it later to the show notes, but yeah, it won't be until later. Work it out. Yeah, no. Oh, good. Thank you, yeah. Layla. Yeah, so basically I kind of got myself in a position that was unsafe and I thought this is what I wanted. I'm not sure if you guys have bucket lists, but I had a list in the time frame of what I wanted my life to be and I wanted to be married and have kids in my 20s, my early 20s to be, like, in fact, and... I'm hitting 30 next week, so I've kind of gone off the timeline a bit because I'm divorced now, but it's for a good reason because even though that was a terrible time in my life, we went through a separation during one of the lockdowns. It ended up being the most incredible time of my life, the time of my life where I finally got a better relationship with God because I was pushing God to the side because my ex-husband was atheist. And it was like, why are you going to church? Or why are you reading the Bible? Or why are you going to that connect group where I was trying to grow and better myself? Now I had all the time to focus on God, focus on me and loving myself. And I became such a healthier person. I started um, seeing a therapist and it has been the most amazing thing. Um, Be able to realize that like, I'm not weird. I just, certain things I do are because of certain things in my past and my upbringing, like, my relationship with food because of the bullying I got for my what I physically look like. Like like I said about actually acknowledging myself naturally. Yeah. I had to get literally shaken by people being like, you look stunning, what are you doing? Because I thought I was so ugly. And I still sometimes do it. My boyfriend cracks the shits at me and it's like, I don't think you understand. Calm down. But I think like that journey and I, as much as it hurt, because I will touch on it later because I went through a lot of loss, not just my marriage in the space of that same day. But I like, it was the most amazing time. I was stuck in a house, which probably sounds scary, 
I couldn't work because it was in lockdown and photography isn't an essential. Um, I just moved out with literally no furniture, nothing, just my clothes um, in a, a place that I don't know, but miracles happen like your miracles, Layla. The girl next door ended up being a long-term friend who's a Christian that helped like we watched some church on Sundays together on the live stream. Um, I started serving more and connecting with church way more than ever. Um, we, I did a lot of online broadcasting for church for the online streams um, and we developed an app. And through that, I really developed, I made a routine. So I listened to worship as soon as I woke up and prayed. I did my Bible plans. My house was clean. I had routine. I'd go for hot girl walks. I adopted my dog, Wilson, um, who he's working through his journey. If you hear grumbling like this whole time, and that barking. Um, he's going through his Look, own little healing journey. I was going to say his own pursuit to healing. He is. So Wilson was adopted and was um, severely physically abused. So it's been almost two years, but we're still getting there. And he's a cute little fluffy thing, but we're mean, getting there. Mean fluffy thing. Mean fluffy thing. But he, bites, he bites men. Okay, we can hear him now, but we're just going to, he sexer. knows we're talking about him. But that's okay. Sorry, so okay, it was just, Everything has happened for a reason. And as much as the things in my past hurt and they kind of shaped me who I am today and it brought the people in my life that I needed to be my life. Now I have such an incredible network of friends that we, we help each other and I encourage each other to get closer to God, to pray, um, to communicate when we aren't doing good. Like I was not okay during that lockdown. I remember a few times that the girls would like um, check in on me and my connect group. Be like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not okay. I don't have a job. I like, I live alone. We're in a 5K bubble. Nobody really lives near me because my friend next door worked all day. So I was stuck alone with a dog that was aggressive and was completely alone. As much as that sucks, I'm crying now on the podcast. I said I wouldn't, but as long as my, you know, my are wishes... you breaking them back? You're like, <laughs> well, I don't want the tears. The last lady might watch it's the podcast fine. and crack it at me, you know. We'll just see the pattern. You know like, what? That's also a trauma response. <laughs> you know, I read a meme the other day. Sorry to cut you off, but I oh, read good. a meme the other day and it was like, <laughs> <laughs> have I only gone through, is it just me that's gone through trauma or is it normal to have that pain in your throat when you're trying not to cry? And I just resonated with it so much because I'm like, is that, I thought it was just me that gets that pain in my throat when I'm holding back tears. I can't cry. Bro, I'm like but, this and then I'm sculling water because the pressure, like, Back in the day, I used to work at JB Hi-Fi and that's kind of like through my midlife crisis or early 20 crisis where I have a meltdown all the time. Literally, almost every time I worked, I had a meltdown and I cried behind my desk. So I was like the queen of hiding my tears, um, which is not a good thing. But anyways, it's a time I can look back on and be like, I'm glad I can actually cry now. Um, but I would sit my water so far fast yeah. and air and I figured out all the ways but now I've got long lashes I it just drips on the end and it's just like a little waterfall you know except they get all stuck they get all stuck together and they look a bit ratchy yeah then you tell me off later they like to tell yeah. me off about my lashes being stuck together so everybody wash your lashes if you have yeah. false lashes you gotta wash those lashes so wash yeah. them little Scrub lash education sheet. on this healing <laughs> podcast you know um but sorry it's kind guys of- it's fine you know um but it's kind of I'm kind of at the end because I guess we can stem from little things I've talked about in further episodes but just as much as that hard time was hard it was for a reason because now I am who I am 
and I've met the most amazing people in my life. My relationship with God is amazing. Like you talked about yours, so I'll kind of briefly talk about mine, but your experiences are very similar. Um, my, I, after losing my dad, I felt like a really big part of my life missing. And even though I thought I had a relationship with God because I w- went to church every Sunday, I was an older girl, I did everything I thought I was meant to do, but I didn't have that relationship with God until God was kind of literally crying out for me. I thought I was talking to my dad every night. Like it wasn't my dad's spirit. It was God. And he was literally like shaking me, being like, I'm here. Until it took me like I think seven, eight, nine years. I can't even remember. It was a while till I actually listened. Poor thing. Imagine if you're a friend outside somebody's door and you're knocking, being like, hello, for like nine years. That's ridiculous. But he never gave up on me and he was always there. And every time, like, especially through the end of my marriage, I thought, like, like I, before it happened, I was quite suicidal. And I was like, I don't want to, might include some trigger warnings. I'm like, sometimes it would be easier if I just drove my car off this bridge because this is too hard. I don't want to go home. It was too unsafe. Like, the same thing was going to result if I stayed there any longer. But I'm, I'm glad it ended a lot earlier. Um, but thanks to resources like the respect hotline literally saved me before I started my therapy making me feel like I wasn't alone I'm so grateful that those resources are out there maybe we'll put in the show notes respect hotline um like I'm so sidetracked in what I was saying but after I built my relationship with God if like it just feels like that warm presence my dad had but like times a billion, like I just feel like a warm hug every time I, I I talk to God and like I get shivers up and down my spine and I just feel like when I'm having a hard time, my God, like how am I going to deal with this person? They're not very nice. And sometimes I would just like to tell them my mind, but that's not like I'm not being your image if I'm going to be cracking it. Um, why don't I show them kindness and love and how like, Jesus died for us? Why am I not like acting like Jesus? So, like, it kind of changed my whole perception of how I react and who I surround myself by. And even if people do hurt me and say nasty things, to show them kindness and love, and sometimes it's so much easier said than done. Um, But show them love and kindness because you might be the person that kind of sparks there, the little sprinkly seeds of God's love that maybe in five, ten years down the track, they walk into a church or... They get baptized. I remember like Layla, we were friends for a while before you stepped into church, but I never like, I'm not the person to ever push my faith on anybody, but I'm now finally open enough to talk about my faith because I was like made fun of so much in my childhood being like, you go to church on Sunday, you're an altar girl. Why? Why? Even yeah. like in my marriage, I got made fun of for going to church. So now I'm like, I don't give up. Like, I'm just going to, if you don't accept it, that's fine. I'm still going to love you anyway. Yeah. I'm going to love you hard and make you feel God's love known, even though you don't love God, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, now I'm like sniffling. So I apologize because I'm sick and. You got the KVP. No, I do joking. not. I just like a sinus infection, like always, you know, from my stress. Yeah. Because Belle takes on too much all the time. Um, but yeah, I just, I hope that wasn't too much for everybody, no. but it really. It's fine. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Belle. And I think, you know what, it's actually so interesting because 
it's like you went through family violence, then somehow I ended up in your life within, you know, 12 months and we're on this massive journey together. And, you know, it's crazy. I've only known you for, what, 18 months yeah. and I feel like I've known you my entire life. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is like this this journey that we've been on together forever. It doesn't even feel like I've known you for five minutes. <laughs> Not really five minutes, but it's this whole just growth journey and it's like, Someone in your life that is going to probably be in your life forever. Or I, I want you to be in my life forever. You better but be, you know? Yeah, of course. But I mean, <laughs> someone that's been in your life that's come into your life, and now it's like you have this connection, this massive part of my life because my my spiritual journey it, it's kind of like been impacted because of the people along the way who have kind of yeah. taken me under their wing and gone, "Come on, let's go," and it just helps you. Like it's amazing, and I'm glad that you're getting you know, bolder in talking about what you need to talk about and talking about your faith because I think it's really important and people that look down on people that have faith, I actually feel really sad for them because I guess to feel the love and the peace and the forgiveness and everything that we feel, it's actually such a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and it's a really good thing for your nervous system to not hang on to anger, resentment, hate. It's actually really good for your nervous system, whether it's a faith side of things or not, to let go of all of that. And, you know, it's so interesting because if people knew the things that were in the Bible, Mm. I think people's perception on things would change. Like I've had many people say to me, doesn't it conflict with, you know, your education? Well, actually, no, because when you read through the the things that we do through therapy, Mm. a lot of them are actually in the Bible before they even had the name that they have now. And we just don't realize it. And so many things about, you know, life all stem from the Bible. I'm not going to go into, you know, the dark things that are happening in the world because I think that's probably not what people want to hear because I, I tend to do it and then people say to me, can you stop? And I'm like, I just can't help it. I just get so passionate. But it's just really interesting and I think that people just don't understand what there is. There's so much more to life. There's so much more to life than just existing and working and just going to work, going to school, existing, having a family and that's it. That's Your life is done. There is so much more that we're put on this earth for a purpose. We're put in this world for a purpose. Each one of us has our own purpose and journey mm-hmm. and whatever that may be, you know, for Belle, I'm not sure what your purpose is. You know, it could be that your purpose is to have wonderful little children or foster little babies or whatever it may be. We haven't discussed that yet, but yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Oh. It's another episode maybe about fostering, but yeah. Oh, sorry. It's just <laughs> me and okay. my, my snitch files. Um, and, you know, my journey is probably helping people and that's just because it's the job that I do. And we're all put on this earth. We've got our purpose and like our traumatic experiences, like really think about it. Belle will talk about a little fostering story later, but I mean, think about it. Both of us didn't have trauma and both of us hadn't had our walks in life. Who knows? I wouldn't be helping people in family violence. Who knows? But I wouldn't be helping little children. You know, these little things are part of our journey. Yeah. And I think it's really important. And, you know, whether it is the faith side of things or whether it is the therapy side of things, I think both can be beneficial for people's journeys. And, you know, therapy is good for everybody. Therapy is good for everybody and anybody because, there are so many things that we don't understand about ourselves and sometimes it brings back that consciousness. Like, I don't know about you, Belle, but growing up, I reckon for like the first maybe 10 years of my, no, 
maybe even 20 years of my life. Let's be honest. I felt like I was walking unconsciously in life. Yeah. Like I felt like I wasn't actually, like I look back and I'm like, was that me? Like, was that part of my life? Mm -hmm. Because I don't remember that. It was like a whole out-of-body experience. And it wasn't, but it was just the fact that I had gone through so much trauma that everything just felt like a big blur and it just didn't feel like my life. And now I feel like I'm consciously walking through life and everything that I do, you know, it has a purpose, it has a meaning. Um, yeah, so I just think it's just really important because people might not realise something that they've been through or um, it might just be helpful to managing your everyday to day or even just to communicate with people. Like yeah. you see so many people talking to each other so poorly and I think to myself, am I the crazy one because I just want to be nice to everybody? And regardless, like I sit there and I look at people when someone responds to me, like don't get me wrong, sometimes I get fired up because mm. I'm fiery. I am Italian and Turkish, I am fiery. And sometimes people say things and I'm like, oh, I just want to get so fired up. But then I sit there and I think to myself, Layla, you don't know what they've been through. What if they've been through something? Like what if they had a really traumatic experience? What if they got hurt last night? What if their partner beat them? I don't know. So I can't sit there and be mean to someone unless I don't know. You know, sometimes I be testing myself. You know, you go to a shop and someone's rude to you and I'm like, I'm Mm. on the edge. I'm on the edge. Got to fight those feelings. But anyway. I think we'll stop rambling yeah. because I feel like we've been talking for ages. It's good, but, but yeah. It's good, but. Good, but, yeah. you know. Anyways, so um, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If anyone has any questions, queries, anything they want to ask us, just send an email or message the Insta page, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Um, <laughs> we will see you in two weeks for our next episode and we forgot to mention at the start, I'm really oh sorry, Aliki. I hope she gets to listen to the end because we forgot. I'm Aliki. sorry. It's all right. Aliki couldn't make it. She had a family emergency. So she'll be joining us hopefully in the next mm-hmm. episode. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, guys. Message us and let us know your thoughts. Love you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>